Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Front Porch Philosophy. It's been quite some time since we've recorded one, but that tends to be a trend um, because life is a busy thing. Because of, because, no, because of you. Okay. It's the trend is because of it's you. It's mainly my fault. Me. It's mainly my fault. Anyone who, anyone who knows me <laughs> and knows my wife and Garrett's mother would know that she says I do nothing. And right. you think that I do nothing. Right. And that I'm always here just ready to do nothing. Well. Um, so it's it's you, not it's me. It's partially true. I mean, and and now uh, my sister has graduated from high school, so you're soon to be an empty nester. Um, you'll have even more I nothing know. to do. Like, I don't even know if I like that term. Empty, empty nester? Empty nester. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, uh, they, did you feel like our home was a nest? No. Okay. No. Well, so there, there you have it. Right. I'm an empty homer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It'll just be like it's not like it's empty. Like, okay, but when a bird leaves a nest, like, they never come back to that nest. Right. So the nest isn't really empty. Your bed is still upstairs. Yeah. There's a dog right? in there. There's a dog in the nest too. So that counts There's for something. There's a dog in the nest. Well, he's he's actually sitting on the chair next to me right now. So, mm. Well, in the in his own chair. Yeah. Licking his hindquarters as oh, we speak. Oh boy. So, yeah. So anyway, sorry, I digress. But yes, it has been a while, Garrett, because of because because of you. And yes, it has been a while. Uh, I'll I'll concede that it's probably my fault. Um, and the universe even tr- tried to conspire against us by taking my power out right around the time we were planning on recording. So I'm currently recording in a dark room um, on my iPad instead of my laptop because it's going to die. I'm sitting on a front porch, which yeah, you well, could be sitting on a front porch and it wouldn't be dark, but I get it. I could, yeah. It's just very wet outside. I've seen your front porch, um, yes. It's Yeah, it's not much to write home about. But, anyway, today we're going to be talking about a little piece of literature called The Lonely Man of Faith by Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik. Um, And this is a piece that I think we both stumbled upon from that TED Talk, right? I don't know if you knew about it before. I did not. Okay. So, there's a TED Talk um, where the guy, it's discussing career choices, right? Something like that. I'll link it in the description of this. Well, episode. he's actually talking about whether. Yes, he's talking about. Would you? Are you gonna? Are you living for? Um, are you living for your eulogy? Are you living right. for your? You know that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's a good a very TED talk. Good, it, it's only like it's eight minutes talk, long. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll link it. I can't remember who gave it or whatever, but I'll link it in the description so that people can go listen to it because that is what first introduced us to this, and particularly the idea of an Adam 1 and an Adam 2, uh, which is something yes. I suppose we should first discuss. Yeah, sure. I think, um, yeah, so I, I remember him referencing it in that, and it intrigued me, so of course I found it on the internet and uh, read the, the short piece by this rabbi. And what it opened my eyes to was the fact that when you read Genesis— there's actually two stories in it. Um, in the one story, um, Adam and Eve are created. You know, if you read it, you can go and read it yourself. But in the one story, Adam and Eve are created at the same time. God says to Adam, you should have dominion over the earth. 
Um, and in the second story, and I'm shortcutting a lot, you know, Adam uh, is created, and then Eve is created from the rib of Adam. And but in that second story, Adam is tasked with being the uh, the caretaker of the garden, and uh, to 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 be that. So what's interesting to me is when I read it through this lens and and read this article, and uh, and stuff I was like, wow, I I got the sense that when when normally when I had talked about Genesis, I kind of picked pieces from each story and just right. acted like it was one story. Like, oh, yeah. Eve's created from Adam's rib, and and Adam's given dominion over the earth. I just picked pieces that I wanted from either story and created a different story. But in this, and it made a lot of sense, he said there's a reason that there's two stories, and there's a reason why Adam's task is different in the two stories. Right. I think it's, I mean, I I kind of found it at first unbelievable that I had somehow missed that, right? After reading this story and learning it over and over and over again. Um, like even the from dust part is not in both of them. In the one, it's just, in the one, it just says God creates man and woman and it gives no description of how or from where. Um, and in the other, it specifically talks about um, being from dust and things like that. And that's another difference in the stories. And so, I mean, for that just in itself makes the lonely man of faith, a really interesting read. Um, the beginning couple pages, because you're like, wow, those differences are in fact there. And somehow after reading this story, my whole life, um, if you're someone like me who has grown up in the church environment, you're like, I never, ever noticed this. And not only that, but it's not really talked about that much. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I'll just, there was one, well, there's a couple parts I'll just quote from the, the article. But one was, you know, and it said, you know, God summoned Adam the first to advance steadily, Adam the second to retreat. Adam the first, he told, to exercise mastery and to fill the earth and subdue it. Adam the second to serve. He was placed in the garden to cultivate it and keep it. Um, so it says, it goes on to say, dignity is acquired by man whenever he triumphs over nature. Man finds redemption when he is overpowered by the Creator. Dignity is discovered at the summit of success, redemption in the depth of crisis and failure. So it's a, it, to me, it was like when I read something like that, I'm like, wow. Like, it feels like a paradox, but that's what, that's who we are. We are supposed right. to, at the same time, which is a hard thing, <laughs> yeah. exer- exercise our mastery over the earth, but at the same time, cultivate and keep it. It's like, and- Wow. And that's why we wanted to talk about this, because that's just not something you normally think about, right? These right. two parts of how people act and interact with the world around them. Um, most of the time, particularly today, and that's kind of what the guy in the TED Talk talks about too, that's why he references this, is most of, pe- most of the people today are living a purely Adam-1 existence. Um, like, but really any kind of technology or as um, Soviet 
Solvaychik, I think. Yeah, I'm probably butchering it. It's fine. Um, he mentions Adam 1 is all about understanding how the laws of the cosmos work. Um, and like you said, gaining dominion over the world uh, and capturing it for the advancement of mankind. While Adam 2 is not really that at all. He's more about finding... I like when he says that for Adam 2, he finds God in, in the sunbeams, is something he says. And he's not trying to find God through, um, like, science or formulas. Adam 2 is someone who wants to just simply experience things, and that's where he finds God. And right now, um, I think it's pretty easy when you read this when you read this piece to see that the world is an Adam 1 world right now. And I mean, at least for me, when I was reading it, I was like, oh boy, most of the time I'm Adam one. Uh, like I would say probably 95% of the time, that's where my head's at. Um, I think that's, that's probably what, where most people are because that's yeah. where, that's where you gain your dignity. That's how you grow. That's what we, that's what we kind of think in, in many, right. many instances. So yeah, I would, I would agree. That is how a lot of people are. And Something that kind of caught my eye, um, and you discussed a little bit uh, in that quote, is the difference between dignity and redemption. Um, that's something that he really harps on, how what Adam 1 is after is dignity, and that's where his kind of humanity comes from. While Adam 2 is about redemption, um, and that requires some sacrifice and like you said in the quote, defeat, um, and none of that is found in dignity. And I think the rabbi does a great job of explaining this kind of dignity that we're after um, in terms of dominating our environment. Uh, I think thinking for yourself is kind of involved in that dignity um, because like a man who can't do that has no dignity. They're no longer considered dignified. Um, and something I thought that was really, really interesting when he was describing dignity was that dignity requires other people to be around, right? Like, a man cannot be dignified by himself. And that's, that's this lonely man of faith kind of thing, where this redemptive man, this redeemed man, feels lonely because it's not about his—he doesn't find redemption in his relationships with others. It's at— submitting and being defeated um, in front of God and that kind of sacrifice that is required. And I thought that that was a really interesting point because in my ethics class, a lot of our discussions centered around a person's dignity, right? So we had the whole euthanasia discussion and we watched the movie The Sea Inside um, where uh, a man in Spain who is a quadriplegic is fighting for his right to take his own life um, because he feels like he's not living a dignified life. And a lot of philosophers and their arguments against it, and actually the paper that I wrote um, about this idea, the argument that I used um, against uh, the guy's argument that he could um, take his own life was this idea that if a person is dignified, um, they can't destroy the thing that is reasoning. And of course, like you're a human ability, a human being's ability to reason was a big thing about being dignified and about what makes us human. 
But after reading this, I was stunned because I was like, there's a whole aspect of being a human that was just forgotten about. And it doesn't make the conversations any easier when you're deciding what, what a person is. Um, but I was like, everybody focused on dignity and there's a whole other aspect that we have to deal with when it comes to redemption, um, and things like that. So that was just something that really, really kind of struck me about this, this piece. Yeah. I think the, the thing that stuck out to me too, is the Adam two and the redemption piece is like, you're overwhelmed by the, the creation um, so at the same time that you're trying to, as the Adam one, at the same time that you're creating within this domain and you're improving upon it and you're expressing your dominion over it, at the same time as that, and at moments, you're overwhelmed by the majesty of the thing in which you're creating something. Mm -hmm. Which to me is like, whoa, that's, that's kind of crazy to think about that. But, and, and what's hard is that the say you're, you're not supposed to be, I guess when you read this, you're not supposed to be just Adam two. No. You're not supposed to be just Adam one. You're supposed to be the, the perfect balance is both. The story is you're created. We're, we're you know, it says man's created in God's image, and in God's image is the domain and the caretaker. And it's just like, that mm -hmm. kind of blows my mind. And what also is interesting to me, and then I'll read one other part from the story, is it seemed to align with a lot of the stuff from a, um, it's, I'll say it my way, like biological standpoint that I read in the Ian McGilchrist the master and his emissary, but about the right and the left hemispheres of the of the brain, and the intuitive side, the the more the 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 more like kind of intuitive, um, empathetic part, and the the more tactical, um, uh, goal-driven part, even in your in your brain. So it's like we're not only does this story express it, it expresses something that's built into us biologically and what Ian McGillcrest is saying the master and the emissary is we're we're almost we're, we're too rational we're too we for, the rational part of the brain is important but it has to under it but we have to understand that the the master part is really this this more kind of like intuitive, this is just my words, more intuitive part. Um, the two working together as master and emissary work perfectly, but when the, but when the emissary thinks it's the master and it's the only one, that's when we get into problems. And that feels like, he, in, his, in his mind, that's what it feels like happening in today's world. And I'll just read this part from... from uh, from the lonely man of faith um, that says something similar but just in different words like contemporary Adam the first extremely successful in his cosmic majestic enterprise refuses to pay earnest heed to the duality in man and tries to deny the undeniable that the other Adam exists besides or rather in him 
by rejecting Adam II, contemporary man dismisses the 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 con, I'm just breaking, the like the covenantal faith community as something just obsolete. So it's like he's saying the same thing. He goes he goes on to say he stands today in danger of losing his dialectical awareness and abandoning completely the metaphysical polarity implanted in man as a member of both the majestic and the covenantal community. So it's like wow, like these are these are big things. Um, you know, and he, go, he also says majestic Adam has developed a demonic um, quality, laying claim to unlimited power and to infinity itself. And I think that's some of what Ian McGilchrist was saying. Like we mm-hmm. we think too much of the Adam one within us. Like, and we we latch on to man is to have dominion over the earth, but we forget about the other part, and that's what's this. You know, I think we've talked before about like this small whisper. It's it's the Adam two or the intuitive part or the self and all that kind of stuff is more. It it's fading into the background at our own detriment, because both uh, yeah. parts both parts should be there, but wow, it's hard to hold them both simultaneously. But that's, I think, why from a mental capacity perspective of man today, we're in a spot where we can hold both of those things. Mm-hmm. Right. I would say, do you think, Eric, that let's just say many, many years ago, maybe because we didn't have as much power and dominion over, our, over the world, or we didn't think we did, that we lived more in Adam 2 than Adam 1. I I would think so. I think that less of our energy at times was devoted to conquering um, the world around us and more was devoted to just kind of accepting um, how things were and living more in, I guess, to use it, it's kind of a cheesy term, but in harmony with yeah. nature, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think oh, I agree and with that you. Look at look at the like way a long agri- time ago. Yeah, look at the way agriculture's changed, right? Since World War II. I was just mm-hmm. I went to a seminar on beekeeping yesterday, and oh, um, look at you. You you, know, you do do things. You don't see exactly. Um, yeah. But just the way that we've changed to monocrops and fertilizer and pesticides and all that is man just expressing his dominion. And there's there's there isn't anything wrong with some of those things. It's just when they lose their balance, that's yes. when that's when it goes awry. And you can see that it just it upsets the balance of the world when we do those things with consequences that we haven't necessarily intended. But if we, I think, if we would be aware that we're Adam one and Adam two simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And in fact, maybe, like, I don't even know. So they, there was no, I don't think when I read this story that there was one that should preside over the other. The best is when they live in harmony. Yeah. And, and I think what's so tough about it, I mean, first of all, like you said, it is paradoxical 
the existence of these two atoms in a person is that when you look at history and the world around you now, atom one is so much more obvious. You can so much more obviously see that in human actions, there's a lot of atom one. Um, and I think that has something to do with just the nature of atom two. It's less obvious um, because it's when atom two is happening, I guess, you are lonely. Um, now, when you read, and we definitely don't have time to explain it all, when you read uh, The Lonely Man of Faith, he talks about the covenantal community and this kind of strange notion of community that comes out of living through Adam too. But it, it's so much less obvious and it's so much more of a personal experience that finding Adam too in history and in the world around us even makes it hard to associate yourself with something like that. Um, like I said, it's a lot It's a lot easier for philosophers to argue that what makes a person a person is their dignity because you can look at history and look at stories of man conquering the world and coming up with new technology and innovation and thinking and everything like that. And it's it's so obvious, but how often do you read a story about a man who went and lost himself in the glory of God while he stared at some sunbeams. That probably happens quite rarely. It'd be tough to find a story like that. So Well, but I think I think, I think it's I think it's there. We just sometimes don't see it. Like I think you start when, looking I, when, for it. when well, when I read about like Albert Einstein, it's like he created some things that helped man with some dominion over it. But when you ask him where his inspiration came, it feels like it came from a place of, um, and there were times when he was in awe. It came out of an awe of the creation yeah. in which he lives. It wasn't yeah, like I don't think there's this static thing that I'm going to conquer, right? Or there's yeah. this thing I'm going to tame. It was like, I am so awestruck by everything around me and if I can look deeply into it and somewhat understand it I can find the place where I can I can I don't that I can create within it right? yeah I think I, yeah I think that's a I think that's a great example um, because it doesn't seem to me that Einstein set out to find these discoveries because he wanted a world that was conquered or anything like that, he looked around himself, and he was like, holy crap, this is crazy, this is, this is awesome, which I think is a really, a really fun word, particularly now to think of things as awesome, um, it, it, it was, he was awestruck, yeah. um, and so he went, and he found out these things, and he understood them in an atom one sense through equations and things like that, but he never would have started if, like you said, if the Adam two in him hadn't been like, hey, man, these are pretty amazing things that are out there. Um, and he lost himself, lost himself in them. So I think that's a I think that's a kind of a great way to put it. And if you kind of want to think about how they can work hand in hand together, um, that would be that would be a pretty good example. So it doesn't feel like it's anything that's I don't it's not undoable because it no. is the task put to us. But I, I think it's you know what I would hope to leave people with if they listen to this is give it a read for yourself 
check out the uh, the TED talk that we put in the that Garrett will put in the description, mm-hmm. and and maybe open like just realize that 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 we're both. And I think what it's helped me too is like read the stories and don't just accept the stories like even genesis like read it and then where it doesn't make sense or you think what like there's a purpose to that it's not like oh you it it wasn't written so that you take the two things and and combine them into one story that suits you you'd be be hard-pressed to say that there was no reason why in the bible itself there are two very distinct stories about right and then you have to the dig deep in. You have to dig deep into that. And I think this is just one interpretation of that. And it's something that resonates with me because it connects with other things that I've that I've read. Whether it was you know, like we said, Ian McGill, Christ, or other things about the dual nature of of man. Um, so it makes sense to me. That doesn't mean that everybody has to agree with it or those sort of things. But but read the stories for yourself. Think about it. Read what others have said about it. And, yeah. um, and, and do it. Cause that's what I, I mean, I, I've, I've liked this little chat because it's helped me to think, wow, it's, we're in this sandbox. That's an amazing sandbox, which we are supposed to both take care of and, 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 and understand that we are not only take care of it, but at the same time, we're there to help improve it and reign over it, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, from a human perspective. We're in a unique position um, to be both caretaker and, um, you know, I, I look over at Bentley and I'm like, well, I'm both <laughs> his caretaker because I feed him, but I also have to be his master in some way. I just can't, you know, can't right. just let him do whatever he wants to. And like right. leave and be off the leash and all that kind of stuff all the time. Um, so we kind of do it in some regards. I think it's maybe it's a little bit of that. Like how do you um, like we're caretaker, but you know, but um, but also master in some way. Yeah, it's it's all about balance, and there's two of them. So if you want a reminder about how important the number two is, go ahead and listen to our very first episode. Um, absolutely there's no it's no coincidence that uh we honed in on the number two when we just began this um but yeah like you said i definitely encourage people to read this for themselves because while we did our best to kind of explain some things this goes in much more depth than we could even begin to touch um we didn't even talk about at all how not only is adam described differently but eve is as well and adam's relationship with eve is very different in both of those stories and the one Man and woman are created at the same time, and the other, Eve, comes from Adam's rib, and all of that good stuff. So there's that as well in there. Um, Again, there's a great discussion on dignity and redemption and and what is required for those two things. Um, I think this is one of the most eye-opening things I've read in a long time. Um, so I would highly recommend you read it. And it's not, I don't think it's horribly difficult. All right. I think that, that you can read it with no me. real background into any of these things. Um, there's some Latin words and stuff that you might have to Google. I know I did. Uh, but. No, I, I, I think it's, I think it, I would highly recommend it as well. So 
I, I think that's what we can leave people with, uh, with today. Yeah, read it. Read it, listen to the TED Talk. Do those two things. If you want to do one thing, those things. Um, I think they're, they're of the utmost importance. And it just gets you thinking, man. And that's all we can really do, you know? Well, so, ho- hopefully the power comes back on for you soon, Gary. Yeah, if not, it's well, going to be yeah, a am, long, dark night for you. I am still recording in a house that has no electricity. Um, it's getting pretty hot in my room because so, uh, the fan can't even blow right now. Well, maybe we should end well, this here and let you save your, your electricity. And I think uh, I think we might have to. Save your battery and uh, and whatnot. So if... if, if uh, we just we hope people uh read again and uh yeah thanks for listening yeah and uh peace out have a good one later